Well, hey, let me just, before we get into the message today, let me remind you about a couple of things. I want you to look and see. This is where we're just what I call summer success initiatives. Everyone say summer success initiatives. Uh, and if, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, it's, it's really simple, but I want you to kind of just rehearse these in your heart. And once you get them up there, maybe take a picture of this. The first one is this summer to help us be successful is oh, I'm just calling the church to intercede and pray over three areas. Focus. Everyone say focus. Pray that God would give us a fresh focus to fulfill his purposes. And then pray over our friends. How many of you have some friends that need Jesus in their life? I said, how many of you have, if you don't have any friends that need Jesus in your life, you need to get, get, uh, out of the comfort zone. We need friend, pray over our friends and then pray over finances. How many of you know, uh, sometimes there's times of leanness. Anybody here in your life ever had a financial lean time? <laughs> Amen. We're just praying and agreeing with you and over our church family that the favor and the financial blessing of God. What did Jesus tell us to do when we pray? He said, pray this way. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. So we're to intercede. And then number two, everyone say interact. That means stay plugged in, stay involved. Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't forsake the assembling together as the manner of some is. So much more as you see that day approaching. I have a pastor friend who will remain nameless for his sake today. He, he, uh, uh, beginning of the summer, he, 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 they were celebrating a big anniversary. So he and his wife took two weeks off church. They just had a big time, posted things on Facebook. And then I talked to him after he got back a couple of Sundays. He said, man, I just, this summertime, I just don't like summertime because everybody's gone on vacation. And then he kind of realized, yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, we all, I, we understand that. Uh, but hey, don't take a vacation from God. Let's interact with one another. In fact, everybody do this. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, uh, if you got your family around you, it's okay. Look at somebody and smile and say, you know, we're better together, don't you? Tell them, you know, we're better together. We're better together. So success initiative number one is intercede. Success for the summer initiative number two is interact. And number three is invest. Let's invest our time, our treasure, and our talents. Let me tell you something. I, this morning when I was praying, let me just throw this at you. Hey, this week, this month, this summer, uh, invest your life in someone else. Get, help somebody get their ox out of the ditch. Help somebody get out of a hole that they're in. You know, a little will go a long way. Invest your time, your treasure, and your talents in, in, in being a, a, a better Christian and being a better brother and being a better church member. Uh, be an investor. How many of you know if you don't invest, you cannot reap? If you don't sow, you don't reap. You can't withdraw. You can't make a withdrawal if you haven't made a deposit. Okay. And then number four, our number four is invade. Somebody say invade. We need to invade the darkness with the light of Jesus. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, my, my, my wife is better than all of you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Hi, Mark. How you doing, man? Been missing you guys. And so those are our four summer. Uh, in fact, if, you, if you've never seen this before and you want to kind of plug into this for a few weeks or months, take a picture of it. Uh, I think it'll work in the light. So, hey, and, and I believe God wants to bring us all to another level of success 
in our life and ministry. With that in mind, everybody turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, there's a whole lot here, and we're going to uh, wrap up a series called The Disciple Makers, Our Mission, Our Vision. And I'm going to, for all of our guests today, I'm going to give you a substantial uh, review of where we've been. We've been a lot. And we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, by and large, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, for the inspiration and the, and the primary content. Uh, but, of course, Matthew 28, uh, which how many of you know Matthew 28, the Sermon on the Mount, not, pardon me, not the Sermon on the Mount, but the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world and build churches. No, no, no. Now, we're supposed to build churches. Jesus is the builder of the church. But what is, what is the core of all of that? Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Now, uh, look at look at your neighbor. And for, again, for our guest today, uh, you know, I'm I'm 61, and sometimes I can be a little irritating. And some you don't tell me what to do. But if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. Uh, but look at somebody and say, "Hey, let's be disciple makers." Let's make some disciples. Let's make a difference in the world. And that's what we've been talking about. And so turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7 and hold your place there. And I'm going to kind of go through where we've been and then I'm going to get you. In fact, we have in no way, in no way looked at the Sermon on the Mount and gleaned everything we could glean from the Sermon on the Mount. We kind of just kind of, uh, you know, picked and chose some things that we thought were key elements of, of becoming a disciple maker. And we'll look at uh, a couple more to, today. And then, oh, OM, everybody say OMG. I'm excited about next Sunday. Next Sunday begins, see, put a pause. Everybody put your pause. We're pausing this message for a word from your sponsor. Okay. Next Sunday, we began a series called Heaven's Heroes. And for eight weeks on Sunday and Wednesday, let me tell you how the format's going to go. Sunday, which I think is the 30th, June, July 30th, I'm going to begin. And we're going to look at some Old Testament heroes of the faith. And we're going to glean from them a, 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 a life lesson. And then on Wednesday night, we're going to gather together in our home, in our, in our life groups, gather together around the table, eat a meal together, begins at 6.30. And then we're going to gather up in a few tables and we're going to discuss the life lesson that we learned the previous Sunday on that, on that Old Testament hero of the faith. So let me tell you what you're going to get uh, beginning next Sunday for the next eight weeks. You're going to get a great snapshot of some Old Testament heroes of the faith who God used supernaturally to bring us to the point we are today. And we can learn life, just great life lessons from these Old Testament heroes of the faith. Now, here's what you're going to get too. You're going to get some reading uh, assignments. Oh, yes. I'm going to give you reading assignment next next week about this hero of the faith that I'll be sharing with you. And then you're going to get a memory verse that lines up with that particular hero of the faith. And so, man, the next eight weeks, we ought to all be heroes of the faith. Could I get a better amen? 
And so that's where we're going, and I want you to come and go with us. In fact, I would just boldly invite our guests here today to come and see us again. I know you haven't heard me, and you're just kind of learning and trying to find out your place in life. I'm going to pray for you that God would speak to you, but hey, let me just invite you to come back and be a part of Heroes of the Faith, life lessons from mighty men and women of God of the Old Testament who God used to make a big difference in our lives today. And everybody said amen. So there you go. And here we are, disciple makers. We're finishing up. Let me just give you a history. Our mission, our vision. We have a mission statement here at Church on the Rock North. It's fourfold, but really it all melts together to be the Great Commission. Let's say it out loud together, everyone. Here we go. We're called together. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. Say it again, church family. We're called to... We're called to, we're called to, and we're called to go. Say it one more time. We're called. That's who we are. And if you put all those four things coming together uh, in fellowship, growing spiritually, giving of ourselves, and going into a world that needs Christ, that's called the Great Commission. Uh, and so the Great Commission in Matthew 28, uh, it, when you look at it, it's the core calling of all believers going to all the world and make disciples. Uh, it's the calling and the command of God uh, to all believers, all Christians, to make disciples of all nations, that thus the disciple makers. God didn't say go into all the world and get people to go to church. Now, how many of you know going to church will help you be what God wants you to be? But the, the, the core understanding of the Great Commission is preaching the gospel and the word of God to people and sharing the word and impacting the world in such a way that we reproduce ourselves in not only believers, but genuine followers of Christ who go out and make more disciples. And so that's, that's really our core calling and the command of God on our life. I gave you the definition of a true disciple is a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced the command and call of God to make disciples. That's what a disciple is. If, if you are not making disciples, if you are not investing your life, if we are not investing our life in other people and, and sharing with them and helping them and encouraging them and seeing them grow spiritually and becoming more like Christ, uh, then we are not disciples. We may be Christians, but we are not genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, so I'm kind of rock your world a little bit and say, who am I? What's going on in my world? I need to be what Jesus wants me to be. With that in mind, we looked at the uh, Sermon on the Mount and we learned that discipleship is a lifestyle. When you look at Jesus' first recorded message in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what you will learn is that he's talking to his disciples. Now, the whole world's listening. How many of you know the whole world's listening? They're watching and learning and to see if we're going to be what God's called us to be. But really, he's speaking to his disciples. And the whole theme there is the lifestyle of a disciple or a disciple maker. And we've looked at this, the lifestyle of influence the lifestyle of giving, the lifestyle of prayer, the lifestyle of forgiveness, the lifestyle of fasting. Somebody smile and say, amen. Jesus said, when you fast, ooh, man. Somebody said, I'm gonna fast. I'm fasting between breakfast and lunch. I'm just not gonna eat a thing. Uh, how many of you know that's probably Jesus was thinking of something more significant 
Uh, and so we all need to understand that that's a part of a real disciple. And then, uh, then uh, the lifestyle of focus, being focused rightly. And then the lifestyle of faith. We looked at that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, and <coughs> pardon me, he said, don't worry about it. Everybody say, don't worry about it. <coughs> pardon me. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or all those things that everybody's so worried about. Have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. And then last Sunday, in concert with our VBS, and oh, we had a great VBS. I got to say it again. Thanks for all our helpers and workers. And our theme for VBS is we have the power. And so we looked at, at some thoughts about being a disciple, a power-packed disciple and a disciple maker. And so today, whoo, everybody do this, whoo, today... We're going to conclude this series with two thoughts that are really linked together. And I want you to, I want to talk to you today about the lifestyle of hearing and the lifestyle of obeying. Look in Matthew chapter seven. Here we go. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 21 through 27. And this is where he finishes out the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And so verse 21. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone say, he who does the will. In other words, there's a lot of people talk the talk, but not near as many people walk the walk. You got it? Everybody say, I got it. I can't see you very well either, so you got you gotta, you gotta reply verbally a little bit. You know, normally people interpret my facial expressions, but that may not be able to be the case today unless I strap that light on me or I'm not gonna do that. Then he says, many will say to me in that day. Now, how many of you know there's coming a day? There's coming a day that's not like any other day. It's the day of the Lord. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? We used to say, hey, Tommy's happy. Tommy's happy. We sing this little song. Jesus is coming today. Could be any time or day. Something like that. Jesus is coming back. I know the Holy Spirit told me so. So praise the Lord. This is not in my notes. I'm going to shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Jesus, it says, many will say to me in that day, now catch this, the, the day of the Lord, when we all will stand before him, they're going to get there and they're going to be nervous and they're going to say, uh, 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 well, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many work, wonders in your name? Then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now you say, well, how could Jesus do that to people who, who did all those mighty works? It doesn't say they did them. It says they said they did them. How many of you know when you're standing before God, you'll scramble and do whatever, you'll say whatever you say to get within. But Jesus, hey, you never knew me. And then he starts talking about what it's going to take to get there. Uh, Because he began in verse 21, uh, it says, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And then verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, everyone say hears. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does what? 
and does them. We're going to talk about the doing part in a moment, but we're going to focus on hearing God. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains descended and the floods came. And let me just tell you, I believe this is an inference to the end times here. He's already talked about that day. I'm going to tell you, there's some things you and I need to understand about being, being victorious in that day. And, and what I'm going to talk to you about today is hugely important about being strong and stable in that day. Because in that day, and even in this day, rains are going to come. Storms are coming. I feel a little prophetic this morning. You know, there's a storm brewing in the world around us. And we've got to have our life and our families and our churches built upon the rock. Therefore, who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears, somebody say who hears, who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was that when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. May it bring forth much good fruit in our life and may we become disciple makers. And everybody said, amen. The lifestyle of hearing God speak to us. I want to begin with this statement that is that that you and I need to remember. It's not it won't be on the screen, so you're gonna to have to there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. There's nothing wrong with God's mouth. God still speaks today. And as he concluded this series, this message on the lifestyle of a disciple, he concluded with something that I think is so profoundly important that we can't just be hearers of the word. You know, James says, don't be hearers of the word. You gotta be a doer of the word. You can't just hear the word and so, woo, that's, uh, woo, that's great preaching, pastor. Woo, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You know, I was with, Beverly and I were with my son this weekend, got to spend the night with Nathan uh, in his apartment. He fixed, he cleaned the sheets for us. And let me just say, Pray for his bed. He needs a healing in his bed. His bed needs a healing. Uh, but we had a great time with him. And uh, we met some. It's an apartment. We met a little gal coming out. She had a wedding gown on. So we, not on, but she had it. And uh, so we quizzed her. Yeah, she's getting married. And so we just, hey, congratulations. We got in the car. And uh, Nathan said, you know, that's the most unique little couple. She said, that they live together. And they're getting married, which we were glad about. He said, but the other day he told me that he was trying to get into the ministry. And my, my son just went, what's wrong with the world? Okay. But in their mind, they, they, they've somehow come up with a way. I, I can hear the word, but I'm not doing the word. How many of you know you got to hear the word and do the word? And so let me just give you a couple of passages for you to write down and just some thoughts in a moment. I love Isaiah 50 verse four. Uh, Isaiah said this, he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. And then the message, I love the message with this verse. Catch this, it's not up there. You have to look it up if you want. He wakes me up in the morning, wakes me up, opens my ears to listen as one ready to take orders. I love that. He awakens my ear to hear as one ready to take orders. You see, a lot of people want to hear it and then filter it through whether or not they want to obey it. 
But Isaiah said, you know, he wakes me up and, and then he, he speaks to me because I'm ready to hear what he has to say and obey what he wants me to do. Are you with me? Say amen. Then Isaiah 55, you can look it up later, verse 1 through 3. Uh, there's a lot there, but he says this, incline your ear. In other words, put yourself in a place to hear God speak to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he just said there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. Tell somebody, there's nothing wrong with God's mouth. We've got, there, uh, there's nothing wrong if 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 if, if God's not speaking is there's probably a reason and he may be speaking and we're not hearing. Uh, in fact, if you read the words in red in the New Testament, three times in Matthew, Matthew eleven fifteen, Matthew 13, 9, and Matthew 13, 43, Jesus said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Everyone say that with me. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now there's a lot in that little phrase. Uh, let me just kind of expound on it a moment. It, Jesus said, if you you have ears, then you got to cooperate here because I want to speak to you and you got to put yourself in a place where you'll hear God. Everyone say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, this past year or this year, I began to address some of the physical issues of my life. I'm 61. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. And so I went to doctors and specialists to make sure I'm all good. In fact, the other day I went to my diabetic doctor, my endocrinologist, uh, and they said, you hadn't had a, your, what's that where they hook you up? Uh, EKG in, in, in a while. We need to give you an EKG. I said, okay. And then a little nurse said, you're going to have to take off your shirt. And I went, okay. So I laid down, took off my shirt, and she's trying to hook me up and she can't figure it all out. She said, just a minute. She went and got somebody else. Now I have two little gals poking around on my chest and then they couldn't figure it out. And then there was three of them in there. They're all working on me. I was feeling a little intimidated. I said, I know what you ladies want to do. You're not in here. You, they're nothing wrong. Y'all just want to see a preacher without a shirt on. <laughs> and they all giggled. She said, I'm fixing to call in the whole office. I said, no, you're not either. Lady. <laughs> So I've been having all those things done. I, and I went to get my hearing checked. Now, Beverly didn't need me to do that to know that there's an issue. And so they ran me through the ringer and I had my hearing checked. And I thought I had some kind of blockage, you know, I could feel. I thought maybe my eustachian tubes. Did I say that right, Doc? Eustachian tubes were blocked. Uh, and so when they came back, they just said, well, no, you just have hearing loss. I said, no, there's something blocked in there. No, you just have hearing loss. I said, why do I have hearing loss? Well, you're an old man. That just happened. Now, I'm not terrible with my hearing. Now, just to get something off my chest, Beverly's a little hard at talking, right? She'll say, hey, Sam, I need you to go down. I get the first part. And there's a, some confirming word here this morning. And so she thinks it's all me. It ain't all me. I said, you're going to have to look me in the eye and say, Sam, I need you to take out the trash. Don't say, Sam, I need you to take out the trash. I got the first part. I need the whole part. So I got some hearing loss. But I want to tell you something about you and I in our spiritual life. We don't need to have hearing loss when it comes to God speaking to us. 
There's nothing wrong with God's mouth. He wants to speak to us. So this morning, very quickly, I'm going to use a couple of Old Testament illustrations. I'm going to, I'm going to help you get some spiritual hearing aids. Now, I know there are people, I got a, pa- uh, you know, uh, Tiffany, my friend, Randy Miller, Pastor Randy Miller, he has hearing aids. And, and uh, man, if I ever get those, you're going to know I'm really bad. I'm just bad. I don't want to do that. I'll do it if I have to. But listen, all of us probably need some spiritual hearing aids. And so I want to give you some this morning to kind of help you. How many of you remember the little boy, little prophet boy, Samuel? If you go to First Samuel 3, you don't need to turn there. I'll tell you the story. He was an attendant in the, in the house of God. He was an attendant to Eli, the prophet. And, and the story goes that he laid down. He was, he kept the light burning in the, te- in the temple and he was an attendant and a servant there in the house of God. I would encourage you to read it later. And as he's laying down, he hears someone call his name, Samuel. I think this happened three times and three times he got up. Uh, and, and in fact, the Bible says this about that time, that the word of God was rare in those days. God was not speaking probably because people were not listening. I find it interesting that Eli, the prophet, God wasn't speaking to him. I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental. You can read about his life later and maybe come to the place where you realize, man, he had issues that hindered him from hearing God. But little Samuel, little innocent young Samuel who, who, who tended, uh, the, the house of God, God spoke to him three times. Finally, the third time Eli told him, he said, well, God undoubtedly is speaking to you. And so the next time he said, calls your name, you say, here am I, Lord, your servant is listening. And so lo and behold, he called again. Samuel said, here am I, Lord, your servant is listening. And God, somebody say it like a Pentecostal preacher and God. Well, y'all, y'all are weenies. Y'all never make it in preaching ministry. Somebody saying, God, they're saying, God, God began to speak to him and began to unfold things to him. So let's learn a couple of things from this story. Just things about some spirit. Hey, if you want to hear God, become a servant of God. Find yourself in the right place, in the right time doing the right thing. You can't be out of pocket and hear God. You can't be MIA and hear God. You can't be off, you know, rummaging around in the darkness. Come on now, I'm gonna preach to you here in a minute. You can't be off doing my thing and expect God to come and speak to you about his thing. You gotta be in the right place. You gotta become a servant of God. And that's what little Samuel was. He was there serving God and serving the house of God and finding himself himself in the right place. In fact, he was God's chosen. God spoke to his uh, his barren mom on how she could believe and trust God and believe God for a son. And so he was a servant of God, doing the right thing at the right place at the right time. And God showed up in his life and began to speak to it. We could go home after that. Become a servant of God, but number two, become a worshiper of God. In fact, when you read that, uh, that phrasing about uh, what uh, Samuel was doing, it was not just keeping the light on. He kept the spiritual atmosphere of worship around the presence of God in the holy place. And what does the Bible say about worshipers? That he inhabits the praise of his people. 
You want to hear God speak to you, become a servant of God. Start serving him from a right heart. Find yourself in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, worshiping and praising and magnifying the name of God. And the spiritual atmosphere will become electric even if the word of the Lord had been rare in your days. God loves a spiritual atmosphere of worship and service in the house of God. And he'll show up and begin to call your name. Martin. Who are you, Lord? Tommy. Donald. Brianna, come back to Beaumont. Why are you wandering all over the nation? That's not the Lord. That's just Pastor Sam. Maybe. Become a servant of God. Become a worshiper of God. And let me just say this. Become a consumer of God's word. Become a consumer of God's word. Jeremiah 15, the Bible says about Jeremiah, he says, your word became like flesh and I ate it. Because understand something about this Bible. About 99 and 9 tenths percent of everything God's ever going to say to anybody is going to come from this book. It is God's word. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, it's God-breathed. And so if you began to consume the Word, and began to partake of God's Word, read it, and we teach this in our newcomers class or our Connect course, read it, study it, memorize it, quote it, share it. Get a grip on God's Word. God's Word will get a grip on you. And begin to consume the Word of God and partake it into your soul. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And when you, when the Word of God and the worship of God and the service of God, I'm telling you, there's a spiritual atmosphere that begins to be built within your life and that is conducive for God to say, Brent, Beverly, Jim, Trish, Mark, speak your name and call unto you and direct your path. In fact, my Bible tells me that God, it says about the directive of God, we'll hear something uh, behind us say, this is the way, go ye in it. Consumer of God's word. And then one more, another spiritual hearing aid. Become a spirit-filled believer. John 14, 25, Jesus said this to his disciples before he left. You know the story. He told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. But he began to prime the pump with them about the Holy Spirit. And he said in John 14, 25, uh, basically in, in two or three chapters there, he says something along this line here. He said, I'm not going to leave you without a helper and without a comforter. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to teach you all things. He's going to tell you about things to come. He's going to teach you. <coughs> Pardon me. He's going to teach you. How many of you know the Holy Spirit, when he teaches us, he speaks to us? I've told this story before, but we've got a visitor. So my stories are the only stories I know much about, so I repeat them from time to time. But I was a, a senior in high school, just got into, uh, you know, a senior. I was feeling pretty good about myself. And my mom, she says this, uh, what are you going to do when you graduate? I said, I don't know. I was a, I was a spirit-filled believer. Uh, 
between my junior and senior year. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, between my junior and senior year, and I was a spirit-filled believer. Spent my last year in high school uh, with a whole new level of, of, of spiritual joy and, and influence. And uh, so, so my mom said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. And she said, well, you need to figure that out because you've got to take all those tests. If you're going to college, you've got to take tests. You've got to be, you can't just sit around here and do nothing. You've got to do something. And I said, well, I just need God to speak to me. And my mother, in all her wisdom, said this, well, you just get in there in that room of yours. You shut the door and don't you come out till you heard God speak to you. Yeah. Like, get on in there now. She, I mean, I went in there. I, you know, when mama, you know. So I got in there and shut the door, and I went, ooh, this could be a while. <laughs> but you know what? Even in my young Christian life, I was endeavoring to be a servant of God and a worshiper of God and a reader and a consumer, a studier of the Word, and I had been spirit-filled. And as I began to stir the atmosphere, and I began to sense his presence. I began to realize, just like Isaiah said, man, he was awakening my ear to hear. All of a sudden, I felt like I was in touch. I was in his presence. And that he wanted to speak to me. And believe you me, I was ready to listen. Because I didn't want to be in that room too awful long. And God began to speak to me about the immediate future of my life through his word and through his spirit. And I came out of that room not too long later. I said, Mom, God spoke to me. And she said, what did he tell you to do? And I told her exactly what God, she said, God said to me about my future and what I needed to do. And she said, well, oh, amen. Everybody said, amen. She didn't say, oh, me. She said, Amen. God speaks to us. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's a big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Let me give you the big idea about God's voice and about him speaking to us. The ability to hear God speak to us is an intentional one on our part. You say, well, God's not speaking to me. I don't speak to me. He spoke to myself. I haven't heard God speak to me. Well, undoubtedly, you haven't put yourself in a place where the spiritual atmosphere is, is open and right and, and good for you. you. And you become intentional about hearing God. You put yourself in that atmosphere. Learn something from little Samuel, the, the, the servant of God who became a prophet of God. You see if, ooh, somebody go, ooh, Jesus. You see, if you'll start listening to God, you might end up being a voice for God. He'll speak not only to you, but through you. Amen. So becoming a disciple maker has everything to do with hearing God. But not just hearing God, but obeying God. 
So let's talk about the lifestyle of doing. You hear God and then you follow through. You see, God spoke to me about my future and you know what I began to do? I began to obey what he said for me to do. In fact, uh, not too long after that, uh, after that moment on the, let's see, in December of 1970, mm, I can't remember all the days, it's a long time ago, God spoke to me, kind of another part of my future, that I was called to be a preacher of the Word of God. And I began to obey and put myself in a place. And you know what? The revelation of God over my life is progressive. But when, I, when I'm at a place in my life, uh, where, you know, I'm at a crossroads or have a question mark. You've got to stir the spiritual atmosphere in your life. You gotta, you gotta put on your spiritual hearing aids and, and get at a place of service and worship and, and getting into the Word of God and stirring up the Spirit of God in your life and creating a spiritual atmosphere for a thus saith the Lord in your life. And could I just pause and say this to you today? Some of you are desperate for a thus saith the Lord in your life. You need God. Pardon me, to speak to you. So now, let's look at the lifestyle of doing. Look back in 724. What did he say? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. In other words, not only hear it, but do it. Be an obedient uh, disciple is hugely important. Let me just throw some things out for you today, and hopefully some of them will stick. I'm going to read a couple of Old Testament verses here in a moment. But look what Jesus said in Luke 11:28. He said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it or does it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it or do it or obey it. And so we've got to embrace this reality in our life that just because God speaks to you, uh, that's not the end all. It's, it's what we do with what God says to us. Are you with me? Say amen. It's if, are we going to obey what he says or not obey? In fact, very quickly, if you go over to Deuteronomy, man, I'm, I'm going to give you two passages that you ought to consume, as I su- suggested earlier, that you could consume. Deuteronomy 28 is the blessings on obedience and the cursing on disobedience. How many of you know there's a blessing for obedience? Everyone say there's a blessing for obedience. And there's a cursing of of disobedience. When you disobey, there's a consequence. How many of you parents have taught your children that if you disobey, there will be a consequence? And if you read Deuteronomy 28, I just love it, man. I get all fired up uh, just reading it. Now, I don't much like the cursings on disobedience because I don't plan on going there, but we ought to probably read that later. It Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands. Somebody say all his commands which I command you today that the Lord will get, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all the and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God blessed shall you be in the city blessed shall you be in the country blessed shall be the fruit of your body the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you 
you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all which you have set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Oh, and it just keeps going and going and going and going. And you, you and I ought to read that. I'm telling you, when we find ourselves at a place of obeying God, the benefit and the blessing of God is made manifest in our life. Look in Deuteronomy 30. Uh, I think it's just the first few verses. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, you will call them to mind among all the nations which the Lord your God drives you and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations which the Lord your God has scattered you. I'm telling you, it's time we began to embrace the reality of God in our life. That we, It's time that we step it up a notch and began to live a lifestyle of not only hearing God, but obeying God. Now, I'm just going to give you some bullet points for you to chew on because I got eight minutes here. Obeying God is. Obeying God is. Number one is the great difference maker between life and death. If you go back to Matthew 7, if you hear God and obey God, you build your house on the rock. But if you hear God and don't obey God, storms and trouble and destruction come. In fact, gosh, if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, we don't have time. The cursings upon the disobedient. OMG, you don't want to go there. Obeying God. Listen, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know know what's going on up here or in here. But if you need clarity and directive, you need something to come into your life as the great difference maker. If you find yourself, oh, God, help me. Man, we need to step it up. And am I obeying God to the best of my ability. It's the great difference maker between life and death, blessing and cursing. Number two, obeying God is the evidence of true relationship with God. Let me go back to Matthew quickly. I'm over here in Deuteronomy. Let me slip over back to Matthew 7. It, it's, it's evidence, if you will, of real relationship with God in our life uh, when we obey God. Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, people who don't hear and obey, I have no real relationship with them. But those who hear me and obey me, that's those who I know I've got a real relationship with. And we need to ask ourselves some questions about if we really belong to him, if we really have a relationship with him. Because if you obey him, it's evidence that you are his child. Amen. Amen. Number three, obeying God is an action. It's not just an idea. In fact, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, it's an action. And when God speaks to us, don't play rock, paper, scissors on whether you're going to obey it. Sometimes God speaks to us and we don't necessarily, maybe we don't like what we hear. Let me tell you something. God never tells us anything that's bad for us. He'll never lead you in a way that is ultimately uh, going to be not to your benefit and his glory. Yea, though I walk through the 
valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Obedience requires action on our part. And then next, obedience is an attitude to the heart. If you were to go back to Deuteronomy 30, you'd find out that he's talking about obeying from the heart. Old illustration, but works here. Kids, sit down, buckle up. Kids, sit down, buckle up. Kids, hey, sit down, get in your seat, buckle up. Finally, they obey. And like one little boy said after he buckled up, he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. It's an attitude of the heart that says, I want to follow him. I want to obey him. Then the next one, attitude, pardon me, obeying God is a choice. It's something we choose to do. Deuteronomy 30, I want to read this one because I, I'm going to go back over there. Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 19. I didn't read you this, but I think it, or nine, it may be nine. I'm, uh, uh, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body. Oh, that's not it. Let's look at verse 19. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Somebody say choose life. Choose life. That's it. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I'm telling you, understand something. Obeying God is a choice. I love what Peter did on the boat when the storms and the winds came. All the disciples in the boat go, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Peter said, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And he said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you on the water. All he knew is he needed a word from God. And if he got a word from God, he could, he could walk on the word of God. And he said, well, come on. And Peter stepped out he, a, into the water and he began to walk on the water. And, and then, of course, he began to sink. Why did he begin to sink? Because he got his eyes off God and put him on the waves and the wind. And, and he let fear and intimidation into his life. And he began to sink. And Jesus got him up and put him back in the boat. But Peter had to choose to obey God. He had to choose to walk on the water. And so some people say, well, yeah, but he started sinking. Well, as you know, what about the other 11 sissies in the boat who just sitting there going, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. It's a choice. Then also obeying God is an act of love. If you love God, you're going to obey God. Deuteronomy 30, verse 16. I didn't read all of this, but you can read it later. It says this, In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are going to possess. Look what he said there. The first thing about obeying God is you got to love Him. If you don't love him, you're not going to obey him. It's an act of love. Where you lovingly know he's got your best interest at heart. In fact, Jesus said that and, and taught that in John 14. Let me turn over there quickly. John 14, I think it's about verse 20. John 14, he said this concerning loving God and obeying God. He said this. He said in verse 22, uh, he said, if anyone loves me, verse 23, he will keep my word. 
In other words, he'll be obedient. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Very simple. If you love God, you'll obey God. If you're not obeying God, you don't really love God. Hello. I didn't say that. The Bible did. It's an act of love. And let me throw this out to you. Obeying God is unconditional. Meaning, you can't cherry pick. Take the Ten Commandments. Well, I'm not going to kill. But that other one about, you can't cherry pick. Everybody say you can't cherry pick. Whatever he says, you got to obey. If he tells you to stand on your head and spit nickels, then buddy, give it a shot. It's unconditional. If we'll begin to unconditionally, oh, if we'll begin to unconditionally obey God, we won't put, you know, people put limitations on God. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Somebody lift your hand and say, heal him, Jesus. We put limitations on God. God, I'll do this, but. I'll obey that, but don't do. And we put conditions on God. Listen, you start putting conditions on God, he will gently step back. And you know what? The word of God will become rare in your days. It's got to be unconditional. And let me give you a couple more and we're done. I love this last one. I want to end on a good note with you. Obeying God is his avenue of blessing your life. You need the blessing of God on your life. Hey, read Deuteronomy 28. Read Isaiah 119, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. Go back to Deuteronomy 28 and talk about those blessings for the obedient. I mean, it's God's avenue to bless you. What did Jesus say in Luke 11? I said it earlier. Blessed are those who hear the word of the Lord and keep it. God wants to bless you. I'm going to say it again. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. You and I have to be obedient. How many of you parents, when your kids are disobedient to you, you get them, bring them into the living room and set them down and say, let me just bless you today. I know you've been disobedient, but Here's the key to the candy jar. God wants to bless us. And as I close out this series, not just this message, but this series, true disciple makers live a lifestyle of hearing the word of God and obeying the Word of God. God wants to speak to us. There's nothing wrong with His mouth. But I just gave you a a whole boatload of the Word of God that'll help you become what He wants you to become. Let's stand together today. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of the Lord. It's 12.02. I'm about done. Lord, today as we close out this message in this Sunday.
Lord, we pause to just take this last message into our hearts that you had as the final statement and the final directive to young disciples and disciple makers to hear God and obey God. Lord, let us learn from the young Samuel on how to put ourselves in a place where God feels good about calling our name. And Lord, let us be not a hearer only, but a doer. People who embrace the obedient heart to follow the directive of God in their life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.